Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. To get into the word, all right, you guys ready to dig in? All right, stay standing for just a moment. Go with me to Exodus chapter six, verses six through seven. We read these verse, this verse last week. We're gonna read it one more time. We're gonna stay here for the next two weeks. Okay, reads as follows: Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. One of our missional values, find freedom to find freedom right there. Let me just pray with you one last time. Father, we thank you for these moments that we've shared. We thank you, God, for all that's already happened in this place. But now, God, we open up our hearts and our minds to hear you. Father, speak. We need you to speak today. Such a topic, Lord God. There's a lot of heart. There's, we're going to be talking about a lot of heart issues today. So I just pray for open hearts, open minds, Lord God. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this house, Lord God, to do a work that only your spirit could do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Clap your hands one last time. You may be seated to find freedom. Last week, I gave us a foundation for this series and where we are headed for the rest of this month. And in Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to get these scriptures back up on the screen again. But in Exodus chapter 6, we talked about these promises that God made for his people, Israel. And these were the four promises. I will bring you out. I will free you, I will redeem you, and I will take you as my own people. Those four promises continue to be celebrated by people from the Hebrew background and culture and and those that still continue to hold to some of that is a bit orthodox, but they celebrate that as the four I wills, the four promises of God. But if you fast forward into the New Testament, You'll see that the life and the ministry of Jesus reflected this. And and, and though these were original words spoken to Israel, these then became promises that God said that pertain to the church and the New Testament. So these are God's promises to us. And in the New Testament, they read a little different, but, but they're still the same. So let's get that up on the screen. He wants for the lost to be saved. He wants for the saved to be pastored. He wants the pastor to be trained, and he wants the trained to be mobilized. Come on, that's some good promises from God right there, isn't it? He said, I want want the lost to be saved. I want to get them out of that life that they were in. And once I get them out of that life that they were in, I need to get them under some pastors because they they can't do it by themselves. They're going to need help. They're going to need people to come alongside them. They're going to need pastors who are going to teach and train them. And and, and so that's what happens after we get them under some pastors. Some pastors then come alongside them and train them to help them know what their gifts are, their purposes, the different things that God has given them to go and impact this world. And that's the fourth thing. Finally, we train them so that they can be mobilized. 
so they can be mobilized. If I were to put some other language in it, we got to go find our lost brothers and sisters, bring them into the house, right? But after we get them into the house, we got to cultivate them so they go from being lost to family, but eventually the family's got to become an army. I said eventually the family's got to become an army. Because it's not just for Sunday services, your hour and 15 minutes in here, but there is a whole lot of people that need to know about God. There are a lot of people who need to know about Jesus. Can I get a good amen on that? There are a lot of people who do not yet know him, and we are on a mission to depopulate hell. We want to get as many people up to heaven as possible, and God needs an army to get that done. He does. What he doesn't need is is another Christian country club that is in it just for them. He needs an army of people that are going to go into the places, the hard places, and take the light of Jesus with him. And so that's what we are in this to do. That's what we are in this to do. And some of you are like, oh, my God, Pastor's so fired up this morning. I am fired up about it because it's an incredible thing when someone who was lost is now found. And it's an even more incredible thing when found people find other people. And so this is why we exist as a church. And so last week we talked about knowing God. And this week we're going to talk about how do we find freedom? How do we find freedom? And the reason this is so important to me is because growing up in church all my life, come on, raise your hands if you grew up in your church all your life. I mean, all your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. All your life. I am 40 years old, and every year of that 40 years was spent in church, all right? And, and, and I grew up in the type of church where they just said, you know, just get a good altar call in, and you'll be all right. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? All you needed was a good altar call. I mean, it didn't matter what was going on. A good altar call could fix it. There was really no follow through, but it was like, just get a good altar call. God will deal with you at the altar, and he's going he's gonna to just get all that stuff out of you. Now, now I'm not downplaying an altar call. But what I really want to make sure we do is that we give you some handles and some tools so that when you leave the altar call, that you know what to do. Because a lot of times it was a very powerful experience. And it was like, what's next? Oh, just keep coming back. We'll figure it out as we go. And so what we've really tried to do is help people figure out what is next. Now, now I love my time in church, but, but there were some things that I really needed that I think would have helped me out. Because, again, it was a whole lot of church growing up. It was just church after church after church, right? And so, you know, Sunday was an all-day affair, but then Monday was like prayer meeting. You guys remember Monday night? We went to church to pray on a Monday because you didn't do enough on Sunday. So Monday you go to church and you pray. And then on Tuesday it was English service, right? I grew up in this bilingual church. So Tuesday you got to come back because it's English service. Wednesday you better come back because it's Spanish service now, all right? Someone said that Spanish was the language of heaven. Blasphemy, but that's what he said. <laughs> so he said, you got to come to ch- you got to come on Wednesday because the, you know, the Spanish is the language of heaven. And then you got to come back on Thursday because Thursday is when we rehearse in the choir. Come on. How do you remember church choirs? We didn't have worship team like this. We had choirs, right? And we had robes, right? Yeah, that's how we did it. It was like the choirs, you move, you know, the best choirs. They had it all together and God had robes too. Uh, some of y'all still need robes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, but, but we had robes on on Thursday, you know, and so Thursday was choir practice night. And then Friday, Friday was like youth night, you know, because, you know, God forbid you go hang out with your high school. So Friday night, come to church for youth night. You know what I mean? Keep them out of the streets. Come on, tr- come to church on Friday night for youth night. Oh, that left Saturday, right? No, no. Saturday, you got ready for Sunday. <laughs> At least that's how it was in my house. I remember my mom would be like, mom, what are we doing tonight? We're getting ready for Sunday. 
That's it. That's it. That's all we're going to do tonight. We're getting ready for tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come. How many of you guys remember being in church all day Sunday? Come on, I grew up where we showed up at church at 10 a.m. for Sunday school. And Sunday school went from 10 to 12. There was that one. They weren't joking, man. That was school. That was long. Two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then once that was over, you would go to the kitchen at the church. Come on, how do you remember that kitchen food, that church kitchen food? It just like, it was great, too. I'm not, I'm not locking it at all. Because what would happen is like everyone's grandma would be cooking. So, you know, your grandma, she's an amazing cook, but you get her with her other grandma friends, it's like superheroes now. You know what I mean? They, they're flexing. The food is strong. It's good. Um, then there was like, how many remember this? Some of y'all going to get this. How many remember like the three times a year they let the men, the men cook and it was horrible? <laughs> oh, my God. Cold hot dogs, Cokes, and a bag of chips. And we're like, where are the women? <laughs> we don't want the men to cook. They're doing it all wrong. And me and Pastor Phil, we were like, as soon as we were old enough to drive, we got in the car. We're like, nope, we are going to El Juan's. We're not going to eat this stuff that the men are trying to pass off as lunch. We're not doing it. All right. And then you had to go home and get dressed because you had to be back by five. Because church didn't start. Yeah, I know. We hadn't even started church yet on a Sunday. Church started at five, and it went until eight o'clock at night. Normal. That's like normal service. But if God showed up and wrecked your service, you were there until 10 o'clock at night. How many of y'all remember that? You were there till 10 o'clock at night. And it was like you still had to go to work and school the next morning. Right? And, and, but that was the old church, and that's the church that I grew up in. Come on, how many other people in the room grew up with a church like that? That was my experience growing up. It was a lot of church, I tell you. There was no time to backslide. <laughs> there wasn't. I mean, if you could work it into your schedule, you could, but I mean, kind of had you locked up from Sunday to Saturday. I don't know. Maybe there was a method to their madness. Maybe we need to go back to that. What do you think? <laughs> Some of y'all get salty when I try to get you in a connect room. No, pastor. Sunday's enough. I'm not doing a connect group. Come on, y'all. I don't want to do life together with other people. Okay. But, but that, was really, that was really my experience growing up in church. And, and I, I cherish that. You know what I mean? Because those three-hour services, they were something else. Oh, they hit a little different. You could fall asleep. And I did. I'd fall asleep in the middle of service, wake up, the guy would still be preaching. I'm like, he's not done yet? My dad's like, it's good. I'm like, I don't know. I see other people sleeping. I see some guys sitting on the platform asleep. And that was really the church that I grew up in in my experiences and as great of, and as, as powerful as it, and I'm still here today, right? Like recovering, but I'm here. No, I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I thank God for those experiences. Um, and, and there was some power that we really tapped into in those experiences. And we would have five-hour church, and they were powerful. But again, I didn't always feel like I had the best handles of how to now live a victorious life coming out of that living in freedom. We'd come and get wrecked at an altar call, but, but did we know what to do next? Did we know what our next steps were? Did we know how to go and live in victory? And that's really what I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes that we have on how we can um, not only find freedom, but, but live in freedom. So the first thing that I want you to write down is this. We have victory over sin. We have victory over sin. Romans 7 says this, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Watch this now. And it makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, here's a punchline. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. There's two things that work there. Number one, we all are prisoners of sin, but it was, but we now have victory through Jesus Christ. You need to get that, okay? We, we, we were all prisoners of sin, but now we have victory through Jesus Christ. The sin problem doesn't go away just because you made a decision to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, sometimes it feels like that sin problem intensifies. And I always tell people, listen, just because you made a decision to follow Jesus and you took that step and got water baptized, you went public with your confession. Now, that does not mean it's going to get easier. As a matter of fact, sometimes it feels like it's getting harder because there's relationships you have to pull away from. There's circles that are no longer healthy for you, and you got to get away from those things. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And, and, and so there is this constant tension and this constant struggle, listen, that we all deal with. All. Everybody say everyone. You know, one of the things that happened in 2020, and this is not to pick on it because definitely we as citizens of the kingdom have felt the ramifications of it, but didn't it feel like in 2020, a lot of pastors and churches and ministries got exposed? It, it, it did. There, there, was, there was a lot of bad fruit on the trees of the church, and it felt like in 2020, a lot of things were shaken up. I was telling another pastor friend of mine that it felt like God didn't ask for the keys to the church. He said, Give me the keys. I'm taking them. And there's going to be some pastors that, that their, their actions are going to come to light. And there's going to be some ministries where their actions are going to come to light. But how many know that God has to prune in order to continue to allow things to grow? Come on, anyone with a green thumb in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You got to prune some things so that the tree can grow healthy. And the same way in the church, I felt like God was removing some things so that the tree can be healthy. What does that have to do with anything I'm saying is that everybody struggles with sin. It doesn't matter what kind of church they lead. It doesn't matter how many people are in attendance. None of that matters. There is an enemy that is constantly attacking us, and we all suffer with, the, we, we, we all struggle with sin. We all do. No one is immune to it. But, but what Paul says here, and what I need for you to get, is that victory comes through Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm going to say that one more time. Victory comes through Jesus Christ. And what is so liberating about that is this, that it's not my own actions that are going to save me. It's because he has already saved me. Even on my best day, I'm not good enough. But the one who has redeemed me has fought for me. He's won the battle for me. And I have victory over sin, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Clap your hands if you believe that. This is called the finished work of Calvary, that when Jesus went to the cross, there's nothing that you can add to what he did to make you, that, that makes you worthy of his grace or his forgiveness. And, and, and you got to be careful with this because there's a lot of teaching that says, well, well, yeah, yeah, there's Calvary, but, but you still got to do X, Y, and Z. The problem with that is play that out. That's to say that he wasn't sufficient to get it done in and of itself. So I had to come along and help him through my good behavior. And that's getting really the cart before the horse, if you will. We got to know that the finished work of Calvary means that God defeated death, hell, and the grave through his son Jesus who hung on a cross for your sins and for mine. 
And because of that, the work is done. And so we have victory. Watch this now. Any one of you in this room that feels like I'm coming into church and, and I had a really bad week and, and I didn't do good enough, stop looking to yourself to be your own superhero. Jesus is the superhero, okay? He's already won the battle. And you just live from this place of I have the victory because of what Jesus has done. And it's crazy because in the Western church, we want to make ourselves the hero. We do this, don't we? We do this in the Western church. I mean, we, 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 we were just talking about this yesterday. This is my friend Gus. We went on a long bike ride yesterday. We were talking about all this. And, and, and I told him that, you know, in Western Christianity, you know, the story of David and Goliath, we're like, I'm David and the devil is Goliath. No, 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 no. Jesus is David. All right. And he defeated Goliath. He's the hero of the story. Who I am in that role is I'm the scared Israelite that refused to get out on the field. But because of what Jesus did, I belong on the field because he's given me victory and so stop looking to yourself to be your own hero that's how you get yourself in legalism and that's how you get yourself into a lot of condemnation you come into the church thinking oh my god i'm not worthy of lifting my hands i'm not worthy of clapping i'm not worthy listen to me none of us is worthy because of what we've done, but we're worthy because he says we're worthy. He looks at all of our mess. He looks at all of our mistakes and he says, no, no, no. The enemy might see you one way. The world might say you're one thing, but I say you're my son. I say you're my daughter. I say you're good enough to come into my presence. That's why Paul says in Hebrews, let us boldly go before his presence. We get to come into the presence of God because of what he's done. And all the parents, you know what I'm talking about with your kids. Don't they boldly come into your room? Sometimes at the wrong times, you're like, hey, hey, get out of the room right now. It's, it's because the kids know who their father is. They, knew, they know who their son, they, they know who their mom is, and they just come boldly, right? This happens every Sunday. Some of you are going to be talking, having your coffee, trying to talk to someone. Your kid's going to be bugging you about where to eat or who to play with or whatnot, and they don't care that you're talking to anybody. Why? Because they have relationship with you. In the same manner, we have relationship with Jesus. And so we are victorious because he has given us the victory, not because of what we have done, but because of what he's done. Clap your hands one more time if you believe that and tell your neighbor, I've got victory. Come on, tell them that I've got victory. But but we do have a role in this. And this goes to my next point. Everybody say healing from my wounds. Healing from my wounds. Okay. So we got to find freedom by number one, realizing that he gave us victory, okay? But number two, we have to receive healing from our wounds. This is now a role you play with it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. It says this, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, all the angry people in the room. <laughs> How many angry people got in the room right now? Just like, you're just like an angry person. Come on, I love the honesty. They're like, yeah, don't catch me in the morning before my coffee. I love it. You know? It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So here's what happens. Let's break this verse down. Christ has given us victory over sin. But now Paul is saying, don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Now he's saying, now there's a little responsibility that you have. Because Christ has freed us, but we've got to be very careful that we don't go back to the things that he freed us from. Okay, that's on you. All right? Now, this is on you. If he pulls you out of something, you can't run back into that and wonder why you can't experience freedom. 
If you keep going back to the same harmful, toxic circles or relationships and wonder why you can't find freedom, it's because you're not allowing that wound to heal. I deal with this with a lot of my little boys, right? I got three little boys. And whenever they hurt themselves, it's this constant, I'm going to put ointment on it, and you can't pick at it, right? But what do the kids do? They're Daddy, it's not getting better. I'm like, well, if you would leave that alone, it would get better. And in the same way, we go to our Heavenly Father, and we say, I'm not getting any better. And he's saying, you keep picking at the thing that I healed you from. And if you keep picking at that thing, you're never going to experience healing. I've given you the victory over sin, but that doesn't mean you go run back into that lifestyle. That doesn't mean you go right running right back to the place of pain. You're never going to experience freedom if you don't allow yourself to get away from the thing that hurts you. You've got to put some space between you and the problem. Now, that's on you. That's on you. I'm not saying that justifies you. I'm just trying to talk to you from common sense, right? Come on. How many of this is like common sense type preaching? It's like, okay. Okay, but we struggle with this. We struggle with this. God frees us. God heals us. But yet we have a tendency to go right back to the things that God has tried to heal us from. And uh, so funny, uh, I was getting ready for my message. And, and I'm just going to confess to everybody here in the room. And y'all going to give me an amen because you saw it too with, with your wife, of course. We were watching that Oprah Winfrey interview with the prince, yeah, and Megan. <laughs> Dave was like, no, I did not, Pastor Josh. You're more of a man than me, Dave, okay? Thank you. Um, but anyone else have to watch it with your wives, all right? We were watching that thing, and, and then uh, I got a point to all this, okay? Promise you I do, all right? And, uh, and, and the, the Prince Harry, he said something. He said, well, you know, time heals all wounds. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I, said, I told my wife, I said, no, it doesn't. And that's the, don't let the world, don't let culture tell you that time heals all wounds. Intentional time will heal wounds. Time just doesn't automatically heal your wounds of the past. Again, if you keep going back to the thing that God healed you from, no amount of time is going to make it feel better. If you keep running back to that mess, years can go by and you'll still be in the same mess. Why? Because you weren't intentional with your time. So time alone doesn't heal wounds, but intentional time will. If you can be very intentional with the time that you have and very intentional with God, with what God is doing in and through your life. So you've got to be intentional. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute when I talk about practices. I'm talking about principles of freedom right now. So we receive victory over sin because of Christ. Okay. And we have to experience healing from our wounds. Part of that, you have a role in. God's going to do what he does. He's going to continue to treat you. You keep on coming back to church on Sundays. Keep engaging in worship. God's going to continue to heal you. It's not just a one and done. Can God do that? Absolutely. I'm not knocking that. I have been in some services where someone said, you know what? It was just this one touch from God, and I quickly, I completely quit drugs. I completely quit alcohol. I'm not saying God can't do that. He absolutely can do that. But a lot of times it's going to take more than just one. You got to keep coming. Let God do the work. And while he's doing the work, don't be going back to that lifestyle. But there's a third thing here at work. Third thing, write this down. You have authority over the enemy. You have authority over the enemy. Paul says in Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms but pastor i thought you said that the enemy was already defeated he is 
but we wrestle with a defeated enemy. That doesn't mean he's going to stop coming after you. He knows he's defeated, but that doesn't mean he's not going to come after you. So do we wrestle with a defeated enemy? Absolutely. But he's clawing at you. He's trying to come after you. He's going to try to entangle you. He's going to try to do everything he can to get you to go back. You guys getting this? His role in all of this is he's trying to get you to go back. But you have got to live in this place of freedom because God has freed me and I can experience healing from my wounds. But now I've got to live in this freedom. And part of living in this freedom is taking your authority. Come on. How many know that we've got authority? We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live in a posture of fear. We can have authority in our lives, and that's the next place you've got to get to. It's one thing to come to church and be a part of a church and a community of believers, but it's a whole other thing when you've got authority. It's a whole other thing when you've tapped into the authority that God has over your life. How do you do that? Continue to get into your word because the word, the more that you get that in you, the, you now have weapons to use right? What, what did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan for 40 days when he was in the wilderness shortly after his baptism? He used the word. He, he was armed with the word. And every time the enemy came to try to tempt him, anytime the enemy tried to suck him back, he would quote the scriptures to him. And that was his weapon. He took authority over his situation. So it's not enough to just get by your Christian experience. At some point, you've got to take the authority that God has given you and live from a posture of authority, knowing, you know what? Not only are you defeated, but I'm a son of God. And because I'm a son of God, I've got authority that he has given me and because he's given me authority i'm not going to put up with this mess i'm not going to put up with that mess i'm going to take the authority that i have i'm going to bind the enemy i'm going to rebuke the enemy and i'm going to live in victory because i have authority over sin i have authority now because he's given it to me and this is a place where i want you to get this is a place where i want you to get to I mean, I remember growing up, and I, I shared a little bit with you all about my grandfather. My grandfather had been in church, and uh, you know, he started several churches. He had an apostolic mantle on his life, and in the denomination, he presided over all the San Diego County churches, so they gave him the delegation of a bishop. And, and my grandfather, I mean, and, and, and it's probably true of you at your home too, but, but when grandpa came into the room, you knew that no devil in hell was going to be messing with us because grandpa came into the room. Anybody have a family member like that? Maybe it was your grandma maybe it's your mom maybe it's your dad but but these were people who just had authority these are people that had been in this and, and, and it was like man when, when we, we called them tata when 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 tata came into the into the room we knew no matter what i was sick with this thing was going because my grandfather was coming into the room it didn't matter what i was going through the minute my grandfather laid hands and prayed over us this thing was gonna go and that's not reserved for a, a few select special people that's for anyone that wants authority i said that's for anyone that wants that type of authority and so we have that authority. It's made available to us. And we need that if we're going to continue to live in freedom. Amen? Yes. I'm going to come to a close now. And I want to give you some, 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 some practices, if you will, because there were three principles that I really felt that you needed to get in your spirit. Number one, Jesus has given you victory. Number two, we need to now heal those wounds. Absolutely. There's some soul care. There's some care that needs to happen. But beyond just healing from our wounds, now we have to step into a place of authority. 
Now we have to step into a place of authority. But, but let me help you with how you can do that. How we do that here at Lighthouse Church. The way we do that is through this right here. The way we find freedom is through relationships. The way that we continue to live in freedom is through relationships. Let me explain it to you. Proverbs 28.1 says this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Whoever confesses and renounces their sin finds mercy. Let me just say something. There's there's a practice in the Catholic Church called confession. And I know for some of you that um, either were part of the Catholic Church, came out of that, or you got strong feelings against the Catholic Church, let me tell you, they ain't wrong on this. Okay, I'm not saying I'm going to go put a booth out there next to your coffee, but what I am saying is there's something powerful about confession. And this is something that the church doesn't talk enough about. They want all of your healing to be private. I'm not going to tell anyone my struggle. I don't want to tell anybody what I deal with. I, I, I don't want to go to anyone. I already went to God. I talked to God about it. But what does Proverbs says? Whoever confesses and renounces their sin finds mercy. That, that, that's how we find mercy. The truth is if you can't talk about it, you're not healed from it. If you can't talk about it, you're not healed from it yet. You know when someone has been healed from the past. You know when someone's been healed from brokenness, when they can sit you down and say, let me tell you a bit about my story. Let me tell you about my hurts. Let me tell you about my hangups. Let me tell you, and this is what's so powerful. Let me tell you what God did in my life. We got to move you to that place. Because if you can't talk about it, you're not living in freedom. If you can't talk about it, you've not yet been freed from it. And this is why relationships are so important. This is why um, if if anyone thought, if anyone thought, because I hear this a lot as a pastor, pastors, pastors had it difficult in 2020, like a lot of people, Uh, they weren't, we weren't, um, you know, we weren't absolved from that. We went through it hard because we were like, do we open or do we not open? If we open, we're going to make some people mad. If we don't open, we're still going to make some people mad, right? It was like, we couldn't do anything right. And when we open, what are we going to do? You know, y- y- you can't make everyone happy. But, but the reason why a lot of pastors are saying we got to get to opening as quickly as we could is because we know that we were designed to live in community and in relationships, And we knew that stripping people away of relationships and putting them in isolation wasn't a long-term solution for the soul. We knew that people were going to be hurting. We knew that people were going to be broken. Can I tell you one of the hardest things that we had to deal with was shutting down Celebrate Recovery in an effort of, remember, you know, two weeks, let's slow the spread in two weeks, and it just morphed. It was tough to hear about people going back. It hurt to hear about people relapsing, knowing that there was very little we could do about it because those Zoom meetings just didn't hit like being in person. And, and, and so, for, so, you know, as pastors, we had to deal with this tension where they're like, you're being careless if you reopen. It's like, well, not necessarily. There's other people that are affected too. And we got to find a way to, to minister to them. And we got to find a way to reach them. And we got to find a way to also bring them out. And this is why relationships are so important. You, you, you find healing 
in relationships. You confess your sins to God, but healing comes in the context of relationships. Next slide. You can find relationships at Lighthouse Church in our connect groups. I know this is my, my plug for connect groups now, but, but, but listen to me, Lighthouse. Don't go through life alone. Don't, don't go through life alone. Not when you can experience relationships and all the power and all of the benefit that comes together with it. And, and you can find relationships in connect groups. Come some of you are like, okay, pastor, I need relationships, but where do I go? We have 12 different connect groups here at this church. I'm excited about it. As a matter of fact, can we give it up for all of our connect group hosts that are here in the room? Come on, give it up for all of our connect group hosts that are in the room. Um, I, I, we, we've literally uh, been multiplying our groups because, you know, we started in the first year. We didn't even really have groups in the first year. And then the second year pandemic hit and we went from like three to nine groups. And now uh, in 2021, we're at three to 12 groups and, and we're moving forward. But we got to get you in relationships. And uh, let me get to this last verse, because for some of you that are like, man, pastors just peddling connect groups today. No, no, no. There's a reason for it. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We, we want you to experience healing, but if you can't talk about it, you're probably not healed. You're not going to live in freedom if we never get you to this place where you can experience true healing. Because again, we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to the church for healing. Okay? I wasn't taught that growing up. I, I was taught to put on my best face and come to church and act like everything was okay. But, but there's something powerful, and there's something that happens within the context of relationships that when you have confessed, when you have experienced freedom, that you now have a space where you can talk about it because that's when true healing comes. Amen? That's when true healing comes. Right there, I want to pray with you. Would you just close your eyes? And as you're seated, I want to pray. And I'm going to ask really that the Holy Spirit does a work in all your hearts right now. Because some of you, when I talked about picking at your wounds, that triggered something and you identified a wound that you've been picking and you're not healed from it because you won't let it go and you keep running back to the place of pain. And my desire today is that you would find freedom. My, my desire today is that you would experience freedom and no longer go back to that place of pain, that you would no longer go back to that place where you have been wounded, that you would no longer go back to that place where, the, where you had tragedy and trauma and, and, and suffering. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person that is here. God, we want to experience your freedom today. God, we want to experience true freedom today. And so we come to you. So many times, God, we ran to other things. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was friends, the wrong friends. We, we ran to some things. We kept ourselves busy trying to ignore the real hurt that had not yet been healed. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would turn to you, that we would stop turning to other things to medicate wounds that only you could heal. Father, I need you to do a deep work in our hearts right now. Father, I need you to do a deep work in our spirits and in our souls right now. In this place, in this space, Lord God, would you do a work? Would you go deep down, Lord God, into every corner 
in every heart places that we refuse to let light shine in on. Father, can, can you deal with that right now? Father, would you start to deal with those places right now? Would you start to touch those areas in our lives, Lord God? Places that we are too ashamed to talk about. Places, God, where we want no one to know. Things that we've kept from our spouse. Things that we've kept from our fathers. Things that we've kept from our mothers. Could you deal, Lord God, with those things that we think nobody sees? You see it, God. You know our struggle. And you're saying, I've already given you victory. If you would just receive that victory and receive my forgiveness, you can start living in freedom. Father, shine a bright light on it. But not, Father, to expose us. But, Father, to lead us to you because it's your goodness that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws every single person in this room into repentance. So I pray, Father, that you shine a light on it, that today would be a moment that we deal with it. It's something that we're not going to carry with us. We're not going to take it back with us. We're, we're not going to leave this place and leaving that issue undealt, but we're going to deal with it today, here in this moment, Father. Let us experience freedom. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.